Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hi, I'm Mo Crum. And I'm Harrison Crum. And we're the Crummy Marathoners. This podcast is for beginners by beginners. If you're thinking about running your first marathon or half marathon or are in the process, this is for you. We realized as we were training that many resources out there expect people to know what they're doing when marathon training. Well, think of this as a marathon training guide for dummies. We'll go through many of the questions we have as we make our way through the beginning of our running journey and what we have learned. If we can inspire others to run a marathon, then we consider this a success. On today's episode, we talk to top running podcaster, running coach, and elite marathoner Jason Fitzgerald about improving running form and other strategies to become a better runner. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 21 of the Marathon Training for Beginners podcast by the Crummy Marathoners. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. How's it going? You know, Harrison, are we even counting episodes anymore? Well, technically, it is Episode 21, but we had our five March Madness episodes, which thank you, everybody, for tuning in. That was so much fun. Yes, thank you. And thank you to all of our guests who just shared their incredible stories. We've had amazing response. Yeah. And we just, you know, we came away so inspired and we learned so much from those five Mm -hmm. runners. You know, they all had overcome something incredible to achieve their great successes in running. And and so whether that was running their first marathon or running their eighth Boston marathon, you know, um, the, the amazing thing about this sport is there's so many people at so many different levels. There's always a fun story to tell. Oh, absolutely. And it was great to connect with these runners as well, you know, yeah. just forming the connection. That's right. So we hope you all benefited from it. And I, I, I don't know about you, Mo, but I can't believe it's already almost April. I know. This year is really flying by. I, It's crazy. And it's crazy to think that we literally will be running our race in a month. Yeah. April 30th is our big race, the oh. Wasatch Marathon, the Revel Race out there in Utah. We're getting pretty nervous. Uh, at least I am. Uh, Mo, how are you feeling? Um, I am... I'm still very excited, but I am nervous because I've had another setback. Unfortunately, our family the past week, we just kept hitting some speed bumps. One of them was, I think we either got food poisoning. I think it was more so a stomach bug. Yeah. Which I don't know where we got it, but um, it hit Harrison. Then it hit our, our poor little man, Calvin. And then it, it hit me. Luckily, our little Leah, she was she escaped without any. I know. And the, the crazy thing about being a, 
a parent of little ones is they get something you're like bound to get it. Oh yeah. So we knew it was coming, but I just didn't think it would affect my running plan as much. We, I was supposed to do my longest run on Saturday and I, I told Harrison, I have just been, I was, I've been looking forward to it and also dreading it at the same time Yeah, because it was 20 miles and the week before we had done 18 and then we had done, I think 17, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I felt this good progression and I felt the rhythm and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we even got new shoes, but literally the morning Saturday, yesterday, yesterday morning, I was like, Harrison, I can't run. Yeah. It was a big blow to my confidence. Well, I know you just kind of want to get it over with. And then, because then once you hit your 20 or whatever your plan takes you up to at, at, at its peak, you know, then you get to start to taper and go down. And, and mm. that's kind of a fun feeling because you're like, oh, wow, it, it gets easier from here. Um, but that didn't happen to you. So next week's probably going to be your peak. Yeah. And I just, another reminder, it, sometimes I think when you're training for a marathon, it's just a matter of training and that's, that's it. And that's hard, but there's, there's going to be obstacles that are outside of actual like training, running, you know, you know, running, right. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it does. Yeah. And it's normal and it's okay to take a step back and realize that this is life and things happen. And if I don't get to run my peak, long 20 mile run it's okay because i'll just revise my plan for next week and just as long as i get to the start line harrison always tells me this the biggest priority is for us to get to the start line of the race injury free that's right get to the starting line healthy yes and you know i think a lot of runners are the type of personality i know i am i know mo is where we want to check the box we want to make sure we follow to a t and it, it just, it's not going to go that way. Mm, so. Speaking of things not going that way, Harrison, can you, you want to tell them what's going on? I'm in a very sad state, everybody. Oh. It, this is one of those things that the, I, I, I want to say the most frustrating thing about the sport of running is when you're injured, you like hate talking about running because you feel <laughs> so like, there's like this nostalgia, this FOMO. Yes, I was going to say FOMO. And I'm in that stage right now. The weirdest thing. So we had uh, the most beautiful run, 18 miler, not this, not yesterday, but a week ago. And Mo and I walked away from that just thinking, man, that was like amazing. That, that just mm-hmm. felt so good. We ran together. We never run fully together. And it Mm-mm. just was such a good run. And then Monday, so I took Sunday off. And then Monday I go out for like a, just a, like a three or four mile easy kind of, kind of just shakeout run. And all of a sudden I start getting this Achilles pain out of nowhere. I'm like, what is this? I've never, ever, ever experienced anything like this. And, and and now I've got like what I think is Achilles tendonitis. So I, I go to the physical therapist the very same, actually a couple of days later, because I try running again. I, so I took it Tuesday off and then I try Wednesday and it's back. And I'm like, oh no. So I went to the PT and he's like, yep, I think you have some Achilles tendonitis. So I talked with my PT. I talked with my coach. We're revising my plan. We're really trying to figure out a way to get me healthy and get me recovered for our big race day. Fingers crossed, everybody. I could use your thoughts, your prayers, but um, hopefully I'll be able to pull it out and, and finish this marathon April 30th. So, Yeah, and I have I have full confidence that you will make it happen. Something to know about Harrison is that he, when he puts his mind to something, there is nothing that can stop him. And I just felt so bad because Harrison never complains, ever, ever complains about anything. And if I could That's even... That's not true. No, it really is true. Mm-hmm. If I could even tell you what his days look like, you would not even believe that he's even doing this podcast. I mean, he's just always so busy and commits his his self to his job and also his family and the sport and 
podcasting. And I just felt so, so much for him when he, you know, when you, when your injury became a reality, right? But I also know that it's going to be okay because you're going to make it work. Well, I've got some good people in, in, in my court. Uh, I've been talking to Dwayne Scotty. He, if you remember oh, yes, Dwayne, he's, he's amazing. an amazing physical therapist and, and he's been giving me some good tips. Uh, I've been talking to my local PT. I've been talking to my coach. So I really got the experts around me giving me some good advice. And, and that's just kind of a another friendly reminder for everybody listening that you really could use some people in your court, whether that's Mo and I, if you want to reach out to us, or whether that's somebody local to you, you know, you, you just need a sounding board. You need mm-hmm. someone to talk to. And uh, it's given me more confidence. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of rebuild. The good news is I've got a pretty darn good fitness level at this point because I've worked so hard to get here and the, the race is only four weeks away. So fingers crossed that even if I can't get another really super long run in, I'll be okay. Um, so yeah, we'll just play it by ear at this point, but enough about me. This is not the Harrison Crumb show. <laughs> yes, it is Harrison. No, no, no. Cause we want to talk about today's interview guys. We've been banking uh, this one. Yes. We did this back in December and we've just been holding on to it, savoring it because we knew how much gold was in this episode. And, and so we've saved it for you for this week. Yeah. I mean, we are just beyond excited for you to hear today's guest. Yeah. Today we're going to talk all about running form with Jason Fitzgerald. And, you know, we're going to talk about running form, but with a twist. So that's right. Jason dropped some serious knowledge, but not what you think he's going to say, which caught me by surprise when he shared uh, all of his tips and tricks that he shared with us. I was expecting to hear something different. So how's that for a hook, everybody? (laughs) Stay tuned, listen closely, and you're going to learn today about strides. You're going to learn about the forward lean and some common running mistakes that beginner runners make. And just a little bit of background for those of you who aren't familiar with the great Jason Fitzgerald. Um, He's one of the top running podcasters. If not the top. Yes. And Harrison and I have been massive fans. And on top of being the successful podcaster, he's also had a very, very successful coaching business. And you can check out his website and also his YouTube channel. I mean, he's got it all. Um, So check him out at strengthrunning.com. And we hope you guys enjoy this episode. So here he is, the one, the only Mr. Jason Fitzgerald. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, welcome everyone to the Marathon Training for Beginners podcast. I have the one, the only, the legendary Jason Fitzgerald. Jason, thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, what you've created? Yeah, sure. So I'm Jason Fitzgerald. Uh, I started the strengthrunning.com site and running community. And I'm a running coach. I help runners accomplish whatever their goals might be, whether that's running a faster race, running a first distance that they might have never run before, maybe staying healthy longer than they ever have before. 
whatever goal or issue runners might have, I, I help them accomplish it or overcome it. Um, but you know, I, I'm one of those runners who, you know, I showed up for cross country practice when I was in high school wearing basketball shoes. I thought I was going to be high jumping. So I, I really didn't intend on becoming a runner myself, but it was just one of those things where I just totally fell in love with the sport. And I think a lot of runners will relate to, you know, when you start improving, you start getting better, you start being able to do things that you've never done before. And that's just so exciting, isn't it? And that's what really addicted me to the sport of running. I just fell head over heels in love. And then I ran all four years in high school. I ran all four years in college. You know, I met my wife on the women's cross country team when we were in college. My best man at my wedding was my cross country co-captain. And, you know, I was someone who always really loved running. I loved training theory and the ideas behind why we do certain workouts and exercises and long runs and all these things, you know, I wanted to know why. And so I always knew that I wanted to be part of the running community and really kind of work somewhere in the running space. And way back in 2010 is when I started the strength running blog. And it, it really grew from there. You know, I've been kind of helping runners for over a decade now accomplish their running goals. And we now have uh, our award-winning blog at strengthrunning.com. We have a video channel on YouTube and, of course, the Strength Running Podcast, which uh, is just a rewarding experience because I get to talk to so many interesting people and connect with runners in a different way. So uh, it's been a really rewarding journey over the years, uh, both you know as a runner, but then also as a coach and as a content creator who's helping runners with all their different goals that they might have. Yeah, what an intro. And and so you're obviously a, a an excellent running coach, but can you talk a little bit about your running experience? I know it sounds like you ran in college and, and probably even before that. Um, did you do any actual marathons yourself where you were training for, I don't know, maybe Boston or Olympic time trials? Or can you kind of let us know what level you were running at at your peak? Or maybe you're at your peak right now. Yeah, sure. So when I started running, I really don't consider myself talented really in any way. You know, it took me a couple of years to get on the varsity team in high school. Um, by the end of my high school career, I was one of the better runners in our conference, but you know, I certainly wasn't a division one caliber athlete. Um, so I went to a division three school, Connecticut college where, you know, I really liked, uh, the 1500 and the mile, the three K the five K and my senior year, I started doing the 3000 meter steeplechase, which is just a crazy event. I mean, <laughs> this is five barriers on every lap. One of them has a water pit afterwards, you know, <laughs> wow. and these are not hurdles. These are right. barriers where if you run into them, you fall down, not the barrier. So it, it was sure. a crazy event. And, and I think it was one of those really just fun experiences of my running career. Is that kind of the origin of obstacle course racing, do you think? <laughs> it, it, it probably is the earliest form of, you know, a more complex type of running event. You know, first there's cross country and then maybe, yeah, you're doing steeplechase where you have to jump over barriers and vault yourself over this water pit. And yeah, I think, uh, I, I think it probably served as at least an influence to a lot of the obstacle course races that started coming online, you know, maybe 2005, 2010, around that era. Yeah. Um, and you know, I ended up doing a warrior dash after I graduated and it was just a crazy event. I mean, those <laughs> things are, are just nuts, but, uh, yeah. I actually ended up winning it. I did the 
two, let's see, the 2012 Maryland Warrior Dash. And uh, I did have the fastest time over the two days. And and nice. I would say that was, you know, around my peak fitness, you know, a couple of years after college, I graduated in 2006. And that's when I started getting into the longer distances. You know, I started running half marathons and marathons. Uh, my PR was from the 2011 Philadelphia marathon. I ended up running 239, 32. Uh, wow. So I'm a little bit past my prime right now. I'm 37. I've got three kids, so <laughs> I don't really have time to be running the 80, 90 miles a week like I used to. But, you know, nevertheless, I am still so in love with the sport of running. And I think I get just as excited now about hearing the progress and the achievements of my own athletes than I did, you know, when I was experiencing that for myself. Yeah, sounds like it. But, you know, obviously running at, I want to say the elite level, you know, in the twos, anything with the two in front of it, it's amazing. Um, even in the, with the three in front of it, we, we find that to be amazing. So I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are at the very early stages. And so, you know, just completing the race is, is their, their goal and dream at this point in time. But it's safe to say that you are well qualified to talk about the theme that we're going to touch on today. And obviously, we'll take your advice on any topic, and, and maybe you'll, you can come back any you know another time and, and talk about other things. But today, we really we we surveyed our listeners and we asked, you know, what what are some of the top themes that you want to know more about? And one of the things that we hear all the time is diet. So we we've had some uh, some dietitians. But another thing that we hear all the time is running form, you know, getting better at being a more efficient runner. And so we were hoping to pick your brain on that today. And because you're a running coach, of course, and you've got your amazing podcast, which by the way, everyone needs to go uh, subscribe and tune into. Um, I do myself. But if you could, if you could share the importance of running form, what, why do we need to work on that? What are the benefits and, and how does it help us as runners? Yeah, I think running form is really important. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can look at a runner and you can see almost right off the bat if there are any big red flags that, you know, we could work on to improve their economy, their efficiency. Um, but I also think about running form in, in maybe a slightly less conventional way in that I don't really think running form is something that runners should actively try to change. So, if you go out there for a run, let's say you're doing an easy three or four mile run, I don't think you should try to change your form when you're out there. You know, there are certain cues that you can use to, to help reinforce good habits when it comes to proper technique. But running form is kind of a byproduct of being a good, powerful, fast, efficient runner. You know, it's, it's something that happens, or at least it should, it should happen by itself. It's kind of the product of sound training. So when I talk to runners about running form, you know, I first start with the training. You know, I ask them usually a series of questions like, are you doing A, B, C, D, E, F in your training? Because there are certain things that we can do that will reinforce good form, that will make proper form easier to have. And also we have to keep in mind too, that this is a long-term kind of endeavor. So if we're talking to beginner runners right now, let's say you've been running for three months, your form is going to get a lot better in the six, 12, 18 months ahead, just because Absolutely. like yeah. any sport you're practicing, just like if you were a basketball player, the first shot of that basketball you're going to take is probably not going to be very pretty. 
But over time, as you refine that technique, as you take more and more shots from all kinds of different angles on the court, all kinds of different shots from layups to three pointers to field, uh, uh, free throws, you know, you are going to be improving your shot from a multitude of different perspectives. The same is true with running. And, you know, maybe we can go through some of those things that runners can implement in their training to better reinforce sound form. Is is that something that you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. See, you surprised me when you said that you shouldn't actively try to alter your form as you're running. See, I, I would have assumed that's something that you that you do. So you're saying it's a byproduct of maybe some weaker points. So if, you know, if you have weak hips, right, then maybe you're starting to get some knee pain, some other injuries, and, and, and that could be due to your form. And that's because you don't have the strength to hold up your body, right? Is that kind of what you're, what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. And, and another good example is the forward lean. I think a lot of runners have been told a forward lean is a good thing to have in your running form. So let's try to do that when we're out there running. Now, the problem here is that you know, number one, it's accurate. We should have a slight forward lean with our running, especially if we're running faster. But the problem here is that that form is difficult just to make yourself do by yourself, because really what we're talking about is a forward lean from the ankles, not necessarily from any other part of the body. So your entire body is sort of pitched forward a couple degrees. And this is very different than what happens when runners try to lean forward when they go running, which is right. they typically lean from the waist. And when you lean from the waist, it's just not very economical. It's going to make you sore. It's probably going to open yourself up to a potential running injury. So we certainly want to avoid that. And that's why I simply, I don't tell runners to try to lean forward when they go out there and try to run because that forward lean requires a lot of strength. It requires you to hold an economical position, but at the same time, it's it's a somewhat stressful position. It's not a position that is very easy for beginner runners to get into. And so telling runners to get into a difficult, slightly more advanced position is really just asking for all sorts of compensations where, for example, you know, they will bend from the waist. So that's a great example of how you know, telling someone to go do something when they're out there running isn't necessarily the best way for you to accomplish that task. Instead, yeah. I think it's much more beneficial to do things in your training that make that forward lean and that make other aspects of efficient economical form just much easier to do. And so, you know, if we want to go through a list of a bunch of things, yeah. you know, number one, let's run fast regularly. And hmm. I don't necessarily mean doing a bunch of hard workouts, although that's part of it, because we really should separate fast running from hard running. We can practice running fast fairly frequently without making it very challenging, without making it too difficult. And when we do that, it's a wonderful introduction to fast running. It's a way to practice running close to our maximum speed, but in a way that isn't making us sore. Or it's not making us super tired. Uh, we can also lift weights, you know, lifting heavier weight in the gym is a really nice way to improve your strength and your ability to hold some of these positions. And it also improves your coordination. And that's a lot of what we're talking about is improving your coordination. Now, obviously you're not going to improve your coordination and become an amazing, graceful athlete in three days or, or even three months. You know, this is a long-term project. And, you know, I remember for me, it was sometime in my college years, you know, and so we're talking six, seven years into my running career that I finally started feeling really 
efficient and and efficient for me, of course, you know, I'm not the most economical runner. We all have our limitations, of course, but it is a long-term project, just like running itself. You know, running is kind of a long-term sport and we have to think about running form in that way too. So I think running fast frequently in a way that it's not incredibly difficult is really helpful for runners. Weightlifting in the gym is extraordinarily helpful for developing good form. Uh, I think another way of developing more economical form is to introduce more variety into your running. So running trails, running different types of races so that you're just getting different experiences, you're training at different speeds, racing at different speeds. So there's a lot of different ways that we can do this, but I think first and foremost, we should start with the training so that runners are designing good training. They're, they're following sound principles of training theory, and over time, they will gradually become more economical with their form. Yeah. So you, you say this word economical, and I think some people might hear that and, and get confused. You know, what do you mean by that? I mean, I, I think it's probably pretty self-explanatory, just kind of getting more still looking at it in in terms of economical, more bang for your buck. But what does that, how does that translate to running? Yeah. So there's kind of two definitions here. I think the technical definition is if your economy is better than another runner, you guys can both run the same distance at the same pace, but one person will use less oxygen and less fuel to run that same effort. So in a way, they are a more economical runner. It's kind of like your gas mileage on your car. You know, we can both drive 50 miles, but if it takes me a gallon and a half and it takes you two gallons, then I have a better fuel economy on my car. Now, the other way to look at it too is is efficient movement. So you can look at someone who might be overstriding and reaching out in front of themselves with, you know, their legs landing aggressively on their heel, that really aggressive heel smashing type of heel strike. Those are examples of just inefficient movement. Now, of course, that inefficient movement has uh, an energy cost and they will be less economical. But I think the inefficient movement patterns uh, are easier for most runners to understand. And it's easier for you to to actually see. You know, you can look at a runner and and see some of these poor kind of running uh, form habits that they have. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite things to do is go to mile 24 or 25 of a marathon. <laughs> you will see people in a whole new dimension of pain and suffering <laughs> because, you know, this is just what the marathon does. And right. you will see how running hard for that many miles will really deteriorate people's form. And you can kind of see how people might be leaning from the waist. They might be leaning back or to the side. You know, they're just shuffling along. There's no knee drive. And and that is just a function of soreness and fatigue, as opposed to, you know, looking at someone who might be running a mile and before they get super fatigued, their form just looks great. So those are great visual examples of what happens to your form when you get tired. Um, but there's, there's certainly ways that we can work on that during training. So let's dive into those then, if you don't mind. So you talked about leaning forward from the waist and you talked about kind of shuffling your feet because you have no knee drive. What are some of the common red flags that you see in beginner runners? And then what can they do to fix those? So if we tell everybody, Hey, you shouldn't bend over from the waist. Well, thanks. That's great to know, but like, how do I fix it? Right. You said, you said speed, you said weights, you said trails, but is there specific stuff that they can do to fix specific issues that you see that are pretty common? 
Yeah, one of the the more common is that forward lean from the waist and a helpful cue to help runners escape that flaw in their form is to imagine that there's a string tied to the top of their head and there's an imaginary puppeteer. You're the puppet and someone is pulling that string up towards the sky. And so what this does is it really forces you to run tall, to run with an erect posture, to not slouch in any way, and to really put yourself in an athletic posture for running. So I think that's a really helpful cue for you know the forward lean. Some other common problems that I see are and especially in beginner runners, are the overstriding problem. You know, the overstriding right. problem is when you are kind of reaching out in front of you, you're taking really long steps and landing in front of your center of mass. Now, instead, runners should be really landing just about underneath their center of mass, right under their hips. And so a couple ways to help you with this is, number one, let's try to avoid wearing super clunky thick motion control shoes. Research has actually indicated that those shoes can contribute to injuries rather than help protect you from them. So most runners will be fine in a neutral or a moderate stability shoe. But the more built up it is, the more thick and and really clunky that heel is, the bigger the heel toe drop of the shoe, the easier it is to aggressively heel strike in that overstriding position. And then let's practice different types of of workouts and drills that will reinforce this kind of, you know, putting your foot down underneath you. And one of my favorites are strides. Now, strides are pretty fundamental. You'll probably find high school freshmen to, you know, all conference collegiate athletes all the way up to the pros doing strides. And they really are just accelerations. For about 100 meters, you accelerate to about 95, 98% of your maximum, and then you hold that for only about two seconds, and then you coast to a stop. So it's really not a workout. It's more like a drill. And so you do it after an easy run. You might do four or six repetitions. And this is a great example of practicing fast running without making it very difficult. And this is a wonderful introduction to faster workouts for beginners. And over time, running really fast in a fairly high dose, you know, you can do strides two or three times a week after your easy runs. And it really does help reinforce good form. It's very difficult to have poor running form, especially that overstriding heel smashing type of heel strike when you're running really fast. Got it. Um, and so by practicing that regularly, we're going to kind of ingrain that movement habit into our, our, our brains and our muscles so that we can carry it forward into our easy runs and also into our workouts. So I think those are some great ways to think about the forward lean by using that cue and then on using strides to help reinforce, you know, uh, putting your foot down underneath you rather than over striding. Gotcha. So if I'm understanding the purpose of strides, because I have wondered in the past, because I, I do have a running coach and he he requires me to do those. And I've wondered what is the purpose of this. And so you're saying it's really to teach your body what proper form should feel like? Well, strides have so many great benefits. I'm kind of just talking about strides from a running form perspective, but sure. you know, running really fast like that uh, in small doses when you are you know, not doing it very, uh, there's not a lot of effort to it. It's not like you're running, you know, six by 800 meters on the track. Right. You know, that's a hard workout. Yeah. But strides, you 
of course, work on your form. I think it reinforces good form. Uh, I think from a neuromuscular perspective, it helps with coordination. Uh, it does work on your top end speed. So for a lot of beginner runners, they haven't run really fast in, in a long time. You know, if they're starting to run as an adult, they might not have sprinted since they were a teenager. And strides are a nice introduction to that. It makes faster running easier. It improves your just turnover and your leg speed. And it's just a fundamental way of practicing running fast. So it's not just about form. It's also about getting comfortable with uh, being at, you know, a close to sprint effort. And, and that certainly has carryover into so many different aspects of training. Yeah. And so one of the things you talked about doing to improve your form was speed. So does this count as a speed workout or not really? Like you said, it's more of a drill. Yeah, I would consider it more of a drill because, you know, you would do strides um, after an easy run. Uh, I like to prescribe them the day before a workout. So you might have a short run plus some strides. And that really wakes you up before the workout the next day. It really primes your body to be able to perform the following day. And not only will you see strides in a lot of training plans the day before faster workouts, you'll also see strides before the workout itself or a race. You know, if you think about the fact that, you know, you kind of have to go from couch to maximum effort in a race, you know, how, from the time you wake up in the morning to when you are, you know, running a 5k as hard as you can. Right. And it starts with an easy warm up. You might do a dynamic warm up too. And then between the race and the easy running warm up are strides where you know you're running very fast you're increasing your heart rate and your respiration uh it's doing a lot of the good things that a warm up should do you know lubricating your joints opening up your range of motion and kind of metabolically priming you for a really hard effort so that's what strides do even though they're not very difficult by themselves no, that makes sense. So, okay. So that you gave great specific examples about how and when to do them. Now, can you tell us about, you, you mentioned speed work and if I'm a beginner runner, you know, you always hear people tell you in this field, they'll say, you know, don't build your, your distance and your speed at the same time. Do you believe in that? Not really, because you okay. can be super gradual with both and the total stress load of the workout or the, the, the training plan itself isn't really increasing too much you know, when you're combining both the speed and the mileage increases, I, I think any training plan that you find, it would actually be, I, I would be very surprised to find any training plan in any running book that you can buy on Amazon, you know, top 50 running books that include training plans that don't evolve the workouts and the mileage at the same time. Now, yeah. we just have to be really clear that just because you're, you're increasing your mileage and your workouts are getting more challenging it shouldn't be beyond what you are really capable of doing. So for example, if you're a beginner runner and you've never run beyond 20 miles in a week, you probably shouldn't start a training plan that begins at 20 miles a week and starts going in mileage territory that you've never been in before while doing all these workouts that you might have never done before. Now, you can contrast that with a runner who is used to running 40 to 50 miles a week, and the training plan starts at 30, builds to 50, maybe 55 miles a week. The, that kind of an increase in mileage is something that they're used to. They are going to be comfortable with that. So they don't necessarily have to be as conservative with their training. And so as long as runners are being really strategic with being uh, gradual with their mileage increases and also 
just not increasing the either complexity or the difficulty of their workouts too quickly from week to week. But I think we can do both. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense the way you put it. Um, but I think a lot of people listening, they're either training for their first half or maybe thinking about doing their first full or they're in, in it. And I think they might be in that 15, 20 miles a week range. And so maybe they need to dial back a little bit the the weekly volume to work in some of that speed work and then gradually increase both. Is that how you would prescribe that? Yeah. I think for any runner who's focusing on the half marathon or longer, their focus should really be on the long run and the overall weekly mileage of their training. I think those two metrics have the most importance. They are going to contribute the most to this runner doing well and achieving whatever their goal might be in the race. Um, you know, the, the workouts are certainly important. I, I think they get more important, the more competitive you become at these distances where, you know, a beginner might run a half marathon at their easy pace because their goal is simply to finish. They might exactly. have never yeah. run more than 11 or 12 miles. And so, you know, at, at that point, the workouts are not nearly as important as, you know, simply getting your long run up to 10, 11, 12 miles so that they could finish the distance and just doing the surrounding mileage so that their body isn't in shock when it comes to running 13.1 miles on race day. So I think the workouts have a, a proper place in the training plan. But, you know, for beginners, I think they're the, the riskier and in less effective ways to improve. Yeah. And, and when you say the word workout, you're meaning like a speed workout, like a speed training, right? Right. Any kind of structured, faster workout. Gotcha. And then... You talked about doing some, well, I guess before we jump into weights, I want to just dive back into speed real quick. Can you give maybe one or two examples of if you're ready to start incorporating some of those workouts, can you give one or two examples of what those might look like? Yeah, sure. So let's stick with a, you know, half marathon or marathoner. Um, I think any kind of race paced workout is very specific to what you're going to experience on race day. And it's really going to prepare your body for the demands of the race that you're training for. So if you're training for the half marathon, you know, you might run, you know, as a beginner, you might try to run three times a mile at your goal half marathon pace with a minute or two of easy jogging recovery. You know, if you're slightly more advanced, you know, you might do some things where you're doing three times three miles at your goal half marathon pace. Um, you know, there's so many different ways of structuring these workouts. Uh, and I would say probably the most beneficial workout for most distance runners no matter what race you're training for 5k all the way up to the ultra marathon distances is the tempo run now the tempo run is another way of describing a lactate threshold workout which is kind of a nerdy way of saying you know this is the fastest pace that you can run without going anaerobic or without running into oxygen debt and so you know this kind of window of of effort is where, you know, your body's producing lactate. It's this exercise byproduct. It's what makes you slow down if you have too much of it in your bloodstream or in your muscles. Now, usually if you just sprint for 30 seconds, you'll build up a bunch of lactate and then you slow down and your body clears it and you're just fine. What happens in short races, like let's say a, a 5k is that you're running anaerobically for most of the time and you start just accumulating more and more lactate you eventually have to slow down because your body simply can't process all of it. And so one of the major goals of being an endurance runner is the ability to buffer and process that lactate and really get it out of your system so that it's not slowing you down. And so tempo workouts do exactly that. 
Uh, these are, you know, workouts where you could do individual repetitions. So, you know, let's just say five times a half a mile at your tempo pace, or you could do more sustained tempo runs where you might run three to five miles at your tempo pace with no break in between. But I think this kind of a workout is, is one of the most valuable and impactful for distance runners because it works on what I think is most runners biggest limitation. And, and that's their endurance. You know, if you think about it, even a beginner, a beginner can probably run five minute mile pace, but maybe only for 10 seconds, maybe only for a minute. Yeah. And our goal then as coaches is to extend the time that they can run fast. And a lot of that has to do with endurance. And I think the tempo run is one of the best workouts to work on endurance. So, I mean, we could spend an, probably a whole episode talking just about, like you said, lactate threshold or speed work and, and all these types of things. And so we won't dive any deeper into that, but that was really helpful. And I think that gives people a, a great understanding. So just to kind of reiterate, doing some tempo workouts, which if you want to know more about what a tempo workout is, obviously you can visit Jason's podcast or um, his videos, or maybe we'll do one later at, at some point down the road. But, and then of course, doing some of those intervals. So like you said, one mile repeats with a little bit of a rest in between, or maybe it's three mile repeats, kind of depending on the, the distance that you're training for. So, um, you talked about doing some weight training and doing some, some trail runs or something that would diversify a little bit what it is that you're doing in your training. Can you go a little bit more specific into both of those when it comes to weight training? Do you have any specific exercises that you recommend? Yeah. So let's start with weight training. Um, you know, and for most runners, uh, especially runners, maybe who don't have any experience in the weight room, I know it can be an intimidating site. You know, I'm a five foot seven, 135 pound runner. <laughs> I'm not really the guy who's thrown around a ton of weight in the weight room with a bunch of those yeah. gym bros, but yeah. you know, we can get a lot of benefit from body weight strength work. We don't necessarily have to be lifting heavy weight in the gym, although I think there's a definite place and need for that kind of training. But if you've never done any kind of strength training, let's get started with body weight exercises. And I think it's helpful to think in terms of routines. So with body weight exercises, you know, there's there's 101 different exercises that are super valuable for runners. Nobody is going to be able to remember all these and put them together in a coherent routine every day you know, when they're trying to do their workout. So, you know, I like to think of routines, collections of five to 10 exercises or so where you just memorize it and then you go, okay, I'm doing routine ABC today, or, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing this kind of core workout today. And I have a lot of these on the strength running website. You know, you can kind of just Google or search the site for strength workout or core workout. And there's all kinds of various strength and core routines that target different needs that runners have. And a helpful way of, of turning this into a habit is using what I call the sandwich method. We're not making any sandwiches here for lunch. What we're doing is we're making a run sandwich. We are preceding the run with a dynamic warm up. So we're doing some dynamic flexibility exercises, some light strength exercises, and then we're following the run with 10 to 20 minutes of runner specific body weight, core, or strength training. It doesn't have to be super challenging. A lot of the basic exercises were great, like planks and push-ups and bridges and side leg raises and, and a lot of different variations on those uh, specific exercises. And this sandwich 
kind of concept is really helpful for runners, I think, because it gets them out of the idea of, okay, I'm a runner. I go run today. I don't even, I actually tell my runners, you are not a runner. You are an athlete that specializes in running. Hmm, And that subtle shift in mindset, I think is really helpful because now all of a sudden we're not, we're not just runners. We're not just going to run every day. Instead, we're going to get ready for our run by doing a dynamic warm up. We're going to do some strength training. We're also going to do drills and all the other things in our training that help us be, you know, more well-rounded athletes. And so when it comes to weight training, you know, this sandwich method, I think is a great way to get started. And then, you know, after you're three, four, five months in, uh, you've mastered a lot of the body weight exercises, then we can get into the gym and we can do some fundamental lifts like the squat, the uh, the deadlift, the press, you know, these are three great exercises for runners and they have a lot of different variations too. So, you know, there's so many different squats and so many different deadlifts that are slightly more challenging than others that you can progress with over time. But, you know, that's admittedly a little bit more advanced. You can do that when you're ready. If you have the inclination to even get in the weight room and do that. So I, I think the, the, the strength training side of this is, kind of building some of that coordination and and also building just the resiliency, you know, the injury prevention aspect to it is profound. And so if runners want to, you know, develop better form, they do have to run consistently and to run consistently, you have to stay healthy. And so besides great training, you know, properly structured, well put together, sound training, the best way to stay healthy is to add some strength training to your schedule. So Uh, The strength training, I think, is really critical. Uh, If we move into trail running as a way to build additional coordination and athleticism, um, you know, trail running is not something where, you know, you don't have to come to Denver and visit me and we'll go out in the mountains (laughs) and do some technical trail run at 10,000 feet altitude. A lot of runners have this crazy idea of trail running in their head. But trail running to me is simply any off-road running. We can use so many other surfaces like grass, dirt, packed cinder trails, and and everything in between to provide our body with a little bit more variation. We're going to be turning more. There's going to be more elevation changes in the terrain. We're going to be dealing with little holes and rocks and roots and other things so that every footstep we take is going to be slightly different from the one before it. When we consider that running injuries are really repetitive stress injuries, Whatever we can do to reduce the repetitive stress of running is going to help us reduce our injury risk. And and I think that is super critical. Uh, It also just helps you uh, build the capability to navigate those slightly more technical uh, surfaces. And and that's an element of coordination that will have carryover into your form and make you more economical too. So I love trail running. Any off-road running is great. Uh, But of course, you know, if you're going to do some hard workouts, you know, maybe do those on the track or on the road where it's easier to run fast. But for all your other runs, your easy runs, your long runs, off-road running is where it's at. Yeah. So much good advice. And and I got to be honest, I wasn't expecting the conversation to go in this direction because it really boils down to your running form might be bad just because you're you don't have the strength or, or the endurance built up for it. And, and we've got to work on those fundamentals before we can even begin to, to tweak uh, the running form. And in fact, a lot of those will correct themselves when we start to do these, th- these three things that Jason shared with us, which is the speed, the weights, the trails, 
And, and so I really appreciate that. One more thing I want to dive into before I, I let you go. You talked about the sandwich method and, and uh, what days would you recommend doing that? So you talked about kind of the dynamic, which I would assume you want to do some kind of dynamic warm up every day. But then on the latter part of that, when you, when you work in a little bit of the strength exercise after your run, would you do that on your easy run days, maybe on your hard run days? What do you think? Yeah. So I like to see runners sandwich every single one of their runs. So if you go for a run, you've got to follow it up with some kind of core strength or mobility work afterwards. Now, there are some routines that I have that are a little bit more difficult than others. And some of them are a little bit more mobility oriented. So they might be a dynamic flexibility focus to it rather than on a strength focus. But for the most part, I like to see runners do this every single day. Now, if we're talking about gym workouts, you know, those are the more challenging sessions where you're lifting heavier weight, um, you know, you're doing more complex exercises and things like that. Maybe you're incorporating some plyometrics. And those are what I would call the quote unquote speed workouts of the lifting world. And so those we have to be a little bit more careful about. We obviously can't get in the gym every day and lift heavy weight. But we can do some body weight exercises every day. And, you know, when I was training at my peak and I was running, you know, eight or nine times per week, that would mean some days I would be doing one of these routines twice. You know, I would do it in the morning after my morning run and then in the afternoon or evening after my evening run. And so it's a nice way to end the run. Uh, it's helpful for recovery. You're going through these wider ranges of motion. Uh, you're, you know, you're kind of coming down from the run in, in a, in, in an easier way. I think anybody who's, you know, maybe gone for an hour run and then sat on the couch for an hour and a half and then gotten up, you know how bad you feel in that oh, kind yeah. of a situation. And it's because you, you went from running to no movement whatsoever. The core or strength workout is kind of that in between session that allows you to, uh, just feel good the rest of the day while building some strength, while building some athleticism. So I would have you do it every day, but ex with the exception of the weightlifting workouts, where you really only need to do that two days a week. Sure. All right. And so to find these workouts, once again, they can go to your website. It's strengthtraining.com. Is that right? Strengthrunning.com. Strength running. I don't know why I said you were talking all about strength training, so I couldn't get that out of my head. <laughs> Strengthrunning.com. Your podcast is obviously the Strength Running podcast. Um, how can we find you on Instagram and all the other socials? Yeah. So I am on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Fitz one. And then we have a strength running Facebook page. You can just search strength running if you like to get updates that way. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to connect with your listeners if they have questions about their training. Um, if they want to check out any of the the core or strength workouts. We have a video demonstration of strides on the strength running site. So there's a ton of resources and, and um, I'm be happy to help any of your listeners as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you. I know you're, you're a busy guy uh, and you've got a lot going on on your end of things as well. So thanks again for coming on board. Harrison, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for a great chat. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Follow us on Instagram at Crummy Marathoners. We'd love to hear your feedback and take any questions you might have. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes come out. And please leave us a five-star review so more people can join this friendly journey with us. Our theme song is Change the World by Breck. You can find his music on Spotify. Search his name under B-R-E-K-K. -K.